This is the good, the Baz, and the ugly. I'm the Baz. Well, that no, I'm Baz. That sounds weird if I go around calling myself the Baz. Anyway, uh, look, this podcast is filled with uncensored interviews with experts in particular fields or real-life stories from people who have inspiring personal tales to tell. It covers various topics and life stories that I've really dug, you know what I mean? And I think you'll dig them too. Just so you know, this podcast is for grown-ups. It may contain adult themes, sexual references, and strong language. Fuck yeah! No, I just wanted to. Sheet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Hold it now, wait, hold it. I know you're gonna dig this. I think the best thing for me to do is to introduce him. What? What's his name? Baz Ashwami. It's not. Baz Ashwami. It's Baz Ashmawi. I still love that intro. I love it. It's a bit cool for me. Like I'm 45, scratching and all. Who am I kidding? But whatever. I love it. Anyway, you uh, people, you're very welcome. This is episode three of The Good, The Baz and The Ugly. John, 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 it, it just sounds like you don't give a fuck. All right. Just whatever. Just Scientology, let me just say that, Scientology, I can't believe it, yeah, we got an interview with Scientology Ireland, I was just like, what are they high, like, unbelievable, I just, we put out the ass, John John, didn't we, you did a lot of the groundwork in fairness, yeah, they were very receptive, and they were, which is weird, right, because I kind of thought of you like some guy going up to a supermodel in a bar and saying, excuse me, I know you're here with all your gorgeous friends drinking funny coloured drinks in awkward glasses but is there any chance you'd like to come to me mum's for game night because (laughs) (laughs) and it won't be anything sexy we'll just play like 25 probably and maybe some Scrabble and her going yeah sounds like a great idea that's my supermodel accent no that sounds great just one condition what's the condition You have to meet my family first because that's what happened, isn't it? Yeah. So just to give you an idea, um, Scientology did this interview with me under the one condition that we went out to the church in Furhouse for four hours and did the tour. Okay. And we we went, well, for three hours because fuck that. I'm not going there for four hours. No, but I had other stuff on. That's the truth. So let me tell you something, right? One of my best and worst attributes, uh, and I'm very aware of this, is that I'm very non-judgmental. Uh, and I don't mean that in amateur wonderful. I mean that it's a negative as well, because a lot of the time people, as for presenters, they want something who's opinionated. You know, sorry, I'm smacking the mic there. And they want someone who's opinionated. They want, they want someone to tell them what to think. But I've always liked to form kind of my own opinions and not be... Too Judgy McJudgerson, you know, because I'm not an expert on things. So I like to hear both sides a bit. Um, I like to ask questions and and maybe give you some of my thoughts. But really, at the end of it all, I want you to make up your own minds. Because all the information out there about Scientology, we all know what it is. Like, it's relentless. It's relentless. It's just... It's all the same vibe. It's all the same kind of things that are being said. And maybe there's a reason for that. But... I just wanted to do my own interview. Deanna Stahl, right, has studied and practiced Scientology for half of her life, right? She's been a volunteer for, I think, 18 years with loads of different roles across Europe. Uh, Since 2017, she has been the Director of Public Affairs for the Church of Scientology in Ireland. 
She is the person who actually uh, I met on the day and she gave me my tour of Scientology Ireland. Uh, she gave me time to digest it. I have. And now, well, mm, I have some questions. Where do I start off from? This is the big question. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I, I'm very excited. I, I have been for a long time since I met you that first day. I've really been looking forward to you coming in. And there was a small element of me where I was just like, bet you she cancels, I bet you she pulls out on me. And you didn't, you d I don't know. <laughs> I, I left, I left, I left oh Scientology Ireland. And when I got out, I was like one of those school kids. Cause I was standing inside the building and I'd had a lovely time. I really enjoyed our time together, but I was giggling and I was like, are they watching me? Are they watching me? That's what I was kind of thinking, right? And I, I was like, I don't know why. I just, cause, and when I've told so many people that I was doing one of the apps was on Scientology, I pretty much got the same reaction from everyone. Mm. What do you think the reaction I got from those people was? Jenna, are you fucking mad? <laughs> it was kind of this overwhelming um, opinion that it's all a cult or it's all crazy, right? Mm. And when, when we first met and you, you, you were saying, come in for four hours, I was like, four hours, Jesus. Are you I don't know. <laughs> but then we spent three hours together, didn't we? But, you know, we spent yeah, three hours. That was like a speed drill for me. <laughs> yeah, we were flying. What's the perception of Scientology to you? What, how do you see that people see Scientology in Ireland, we say even? I think people are very curious about what is this all about. Um, it's a very, very new phenomenon. Okay, It's something that is definitely not understood, but one of these things where people are so curious about it, everybody somehow tries to form an opinion, tries to express an opinion. So people just go and Google frantically and watch something on YouTube. It's like, ah, now I get it. But they don't. Like like any other subject, if you don't pick up a book, if you don't study a little bit of something and actually try to get your head around, you don't understand this. But then you get this, you know, in a country like Ireland, five million experts who everybody knows everything about it. There's a presumption with, with any organized religion, right? Mm. Like I've had friends talk to me about uh, Islam, right? You can see my sister over there is Muslim, right? So it, it, like it, the idea is that if you were to walk into a mosque tomorrow, mm. that you would open the doors and there'd be like, seven bearded men over a map throwing a flip-flop at you. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's so, so I try to dispel what other people think, but so many people gave me the reaction that I wasn't overly surprised at. And the, yeah. that reaction was kind of like, they're all mad. Mm. They're all, that's a cult, mm. right? This was the, the, the perception. So when I met you the first day, I, I don't know why I kind of thought I was going to meet because it's in it's in Furhouse, right? Yeah. Scientology. I had this feeling I was going to meet Dolores, do you know, <laughs> At, or, or some like this Irish. Person. And then you arrived, and I was like, of course, she's not Irish, <laughs> right? So, so tell me a little bit about you. Okay, so I'm Bulgarian. Um, I grew up in communist Bulgaria, uh, but I suppose in a way I also learned um, to appreciate religion because it was missing in the beginning of my life. And then later on when, you know, the church and the church's influence became again more popular, shall I say, during the so-called mm. democracy in mm. Bulgaria. Um, it was something that, you know, really provoked my interest. It was like, wow, there is more to life than just materialistic, you know, get educated, have a home, car, family, uh, move on, die. It's just, there is more to this. There is something spiritual in life. And I had a lot of questions 
which people couldn't answer, naturally. I decided to study languages. I studied in a language school. My first language was German. So I went to Germany and I studied architecture at the university. And this is how I actually got into Scientology because one day, just right across my university, there was a huge exhibition of what is Scientology. It's 18 years back. So uh, yeah, just walked in, had a look around and you know, the interesting thing is I had been very curious about finding something that explains things around me, finding something in life, be it a philosophy, be it a religion. I looked into psychology, I looked into different, you know, religions, different philosophies, and everywhere I could find bits and pieces for, of truth, which were true for me, you know. So I had kind of formed my own understanding of life, universe, the world, God, you know, you name it. And when I came into Scientology, what I saw and what I read matched exactly what I was, how I was seeing the world. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. That explains to me how things work. It explains to me how people work. It explains to me why certain things happen, why other things don't happen. How can you improve someone? How can you improve society? I, I there suppose, are answers. I suppose for a lot of people, usually when you search for 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 something, you know, especially a religion, or because yeah. um, I, I, I suppose Ireland has a kind of cynical look on religion nowadays, just because of our relationship Not only with Catholicism, Ireland, yes. you know. So. <laughs> So uh, a new religion or a modern religion is there's usually um, a crutch that you get from religion, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just guidance, or uh, you know, a lot of people uh, religion has saved their life. Was there something uh, for you personally? Uh, I know that's a very personal question, but mm-hmm. was, there, was there something it gave you or helped you through at that time? Oh, it, it helped me hugely actually, because the, the, one of the first things I did in Scientology is like a, a couple of little courses, you know, things in life. The big thing for me was I did a course called um, Success Through Communication. Believe it or not, at this moment of my life, I wasn't very... uh, It's not that I was in a good place, but I had a lot of things to overcome and I had a lot of things to deal with. You need to understand, I was 20 years old. I was living in Germany, studying at a university in a language that is not my mother language, um, subject that I wasn't necessarily familiar with um, prior. Were you lonely? Were you lonely in Germany? I was uh, quite lonely. I mean, I had friends and, you know, my boyfriend at the time and so forth, but things were not necessarily going the way I wanted them and it wasn't easy. I had to, you know, work on the side and earn more my own money, earn my living at the same time. So life was a bit uh, of a struggle sometimes, you know. Now, that course, Success Through Communication, um, it's, it's one of the most fascinating things I've done in Scientology until now, honestly. It gave me so much certainty in myself, in what I was doing, in the way I could deal with people, in the way I could communicate to people. It just turned life 180 degrees around for me. And I was like, oh my God, if that works for me, it actually is going to work for other people and I can actually help other people. Because I, I, I have a very open mind to things. So like when I went in to meet you that first day, I was very open-minded. You yeah. know, I try not be judgmental because you can be judgmental about any religion. Mm. Like if you explain Catholicism to someone, right? Mm. If you go, oh yeah, yeah, you go into this big room with a lot of people and the, you know, the priest who's like, he talks to God and all, and, and he drinks blood, he drinks God's blood and you, you'd be like, what the? Or they have a thing called confession where you just get into a box. You get into a box. Yeah, you, you get into a box and you tell this guy your sins. What? Well, it's not a box, more like a wardrobe. And <laughs> what, you and the guy are in a wardrobe? You know, like it sounds like absolute nonsense. So that's why I try to go in and be, be open. But it, back to that thing of the perception is that you would come in here in a cloak and 
be smeared in deer's blood or something. Like it's, <laughs> you know, that that's kind of, kind of, so that's kind of the perception which I feel you guys probably have to battle all the time. Well, well, you know, not really because it actually depends. Depends who you ask and depends who you deal with. Um, first of all, there's everything, anything in life, not just religion, but anything can be perceived in the way you actually want to perceive it. And it really depends on how much information you have about something and, and how willing you are to have information. Um, because you see, there's a difference between someone coming in and being like, yeah, yeah, I know that I know what this is all about. And then th at that moment, I know that this person is not interested in what I have to say. So for me, it would be a waste of time to try and explain anything. But if somebody comes in like you did and say, so tell me, what is this about? Because I'm actually trying to understand. If I pick a new example with, you know, the guy in the cupboard and the confession and so forth, yes, you can look at it this way or you can go and be like, so why do you guys do this? I suppose just going back to you first, I, I'll, yeah. I'll concentrate on you. So you're 18, you just, 20. you're 20, sorry, yeah. you're 20. Uh, you join up with Scientology. Yeah. Um, you work for Scientology, you're a volunteer for Scientology now? Yes. Work. Okay, so what's, what does that entail, being a volunteer? Is that a full-time volunteering thing? For me, that is very extremely full-time, yes. I've basically practically dedicated my life to that. So do they pay you then? Well, they do cover my expenses because I have to live, you know, okay. at the same time. Do you all live together? Um, we don't necessarily all live together. We do have um, accommodation for volunteers who want to um, use it, but they're not obliged to. How do you go from going to a couple of sermons? <laughs> do you go to sermons? Is that how it works? Right, you go to a sermon and then you come out. How do you go from that to putting on a suit and becoming yeah. one of the gang? Like, how does that happen? Well, it's very simple. You see, um, first of all, for someone to become volunteer with the church, um, they need to have some basic understanding of what Scientology is, because the reason people volunteer is really their own personal belief and conviction that what we're doing is something really beneficial for society. And, you know, we are there to help people. We're there to accomplish the aims of Scientology. We're there to you know, put something, achieve a certain product, achieve a certain result. So anyone who's like, hey, that's great, I'd like to actually help and pitch in, can come and apply to be a volunteer. It's very simple. What type of volunteering would that be? Like what kind of stuff? Um, well, you can do administrative work. Like, you know, we have a lot of events. We have a huge, uh, we have people who are technically trained as volunteers. Um, we have people who, you know, greet people at reception and tour them around. You're not doing admin, so what are you doing for Scientology? What's your role? What are you volunteering? Which department do you volunteer? Oh, I've done a lot of stuff. I've done, um, you know, traveling exhibitions, um, volunteer minister disaster response. I've done, you know, work with many different social programs um, and so on, you know media work yeah are you you know, are you, you you can they'll put you into different categories yeah and you know there's always a choice of what you want to do i mean i was offered this position in dublin you know when dublin the church in dublin was about to open they asked me if i'd like to become director of public affairs which you know i oversee all external projects of the church all community work that we do uh, media relations government relations legal matters and so on so forth. not that it matters is that, is that what you're qualified in or is is that just what they thought you would be good at um i I think people thought I'd be good at that. I have some studies yeah. uh, in that area and they just asked me what I like to do it. And I told, well, why not? Probably it's going to be good crack. So here I am. Yeah. So you help out, do a bit of administrative work. Uh, and then one day you decide, I'm going to go full time with this. To be part of the religious order is, uh, you know, I would say they said the group of the most dedicated Scientologists who've really dedicated their life. It's not just, okay, I'm going to help out for a year or two or five or and so forth, but they've dedicated their life to 
their religious duties. It, it, it will be the equivalent of becoming a nun or a monk in the Catholic Church. Also. Right. So you could say that I'm actually practically a Scientology nun. Okay. Does it pay well to be a nun? To, to, <laughs> like, no. it, like, like, but that's what I'm wondering. I'm just no, wondering, it is it, it, it's, it's, it's a, a vocation? Yes, then. it is a vocation, exactly. And basically my basic expenses are covered, so I don't have to worry about how am I going to eat tomorrow, when am I going to sleep, and then I get a little allowance to, you know, get the things I need to get. What happens when you have kids in school and stuff like that? If well, that ever, like if that's... That is a separate situation, yeah. um, obviously. Then you have to reconsider your circumstances and decide which way you go. You know, either I can do what I'm doing or I can go and take care of kids and so forth. So. Okay. So do you, do you, do people, uh, do they devote themselves for life then? Is that the, is that the, how they would, or do they dip in and out? When you volunteer for the church and just, you know, come in and help out during the day or, or take a position in the church and help out, um, it's one thing. Dedicating your life is a different thing. I think to, to go any further, we have to get to the basis here of, of what. So, the big one. The big question. Yeah. Give, give me the big question. What? What's Scientology then? <laughs> you you sell it to me now. You tell me. What is Scientology? Well, I'm not going to sell it to you. I'm going to try to explain to you what Scientology is. Okay. okay. So. To get there, let me first start with what the word Scientology means, because that's probably the most fundamental misunderstanding people have about Scientology. The word Scientology comes from Latin scio, which means knowing in the fullest sense of the word. Now, when I say in the fullest sense of the word, I mean, when you say you know, you know your name, you know exactly that I'm sitting across from you right now, there is no shadow of a doubt in your mind, and it's not like there, there is total certainty. So that's what scio means, knowing in the fullest sense of the word, with certainty and the Greek logos, study of. So the word Scientology literally translates as knowing how to know, or study of wisdom. Having said that, Scientology can be described best probably as a study of the spirit. Okay, so Scientology is a body of knowledge which actually describes um, the spirit, just as and when I, say, when I say the spirit, I mean the person themselves. I mean you, not your body, not your mind, which is separate from you as a being, you as an intelligence, you as that part of you that is aware of being aware. You see? So Scientology addresses the spirit and provides very practical tools and solutions on how to improve someone's spiritual state and bring a person into a better state of existence spiritually. See, I, I buy into all that. That because mm. on a deep level, I'm like, that sounds like that's where a mm. lot of people who are very reflective and look like that's all. I get that. Right. The initial, uh, uh, the initial thing that hits people is, is L. Ron Hubbard being a science fiction writer and it being called Scientology, and that's where, no, that where that's so for people who don't know mm. how it came about. Who is L. Ron Hubbard and what has he got to do with Scientology? Well, Aaron Hubbard is the founder of Scientology. Um, now, how everything started is actually with his personal curiosity and his personal desire to answer the questions of, about the human mind. He was trying to get answers to simple questions. What is the mind? How does it work? What is the source of life? How does, how does all this work? Right. At a very, very young age, he had the opportunity to, to study a lot of different uh, subjects, such as um, you know, physics, uh, philosophy, religious scripts, including the Vedas and so forth. Um, he had the opportunity to travel. His concept throughout all of this was to understand life. One has to mix with life. And 
by God, he did. You know, he studied many different races and cultures and, you know, he was trying to combine basically the wisdom about spirituality and about, you know, all these esoteric terms, if you want, from the East with the practical solutions and the scientific approach of the West. Now, his research was interrupted by the Second World War. After the war, during the war, he commanded warships and uh, ended in a military hospital. Now, that very hospital he ended in uh, was actually a milestone in his research because there he encountered uh, patients who wouldn't recover despite intensive medical care. And there was no explanation, there was no medical or scientific explanation why these people wouldn't recover or re react to medication. So he started to apply principles he had learned over the past decades to those patients. And he discovered that there were mental blocks preventing their recovery. When those mental blocks were addressed and removed, the medicine began to work and the people could recover. Long story short, moving forward mm -hmm. to 1950, he actually published the first um, book which summarized all of his research and discoveries up to this point, which is Dianetics, the Modern Science of Mental Health. So this is the original kind of, this is what the whole basis comes off, right? Is, is Dianetics. Right. That's what the, the religion is kind of founded on. Well, Dianetics was the very beginning of the process. Dianetics was a summary or, or a description of the human mind. How does the mind work? Um, Dianetics describes a, a major breakthrough, a major discovery, which nobody else has spoken about prior, which is the reactive mind. Um, the reactive mind is that part of the mind which records every moment of pain or unconsciousness and which has the ability to influence us very negatively throughout life without our understanding or knowledge of, right? Further research after Dianetics inevitably brought about evidence that man is a spiritual being because, see, he was dealing with the mind, but then he asked the question, well, the mind consists of, a, you know, mental image pictures of records throughout your existence, from the beginning of your existence until today. But who is it that is looking at these pictures? It's not the body that is looking at it. And it's not the mind that is looking at it. So then the question came, well, who are you? So then he went into the spiritual side of life and, um, you know, further research and further um, study showed that man was a spirit who lived more than a single lifetime and people could go into past lives, could remember things um, and so on and so forth. Hence the, the billion dollar contract. Is this a million year? Billionaire. Oh, billionaire. <laughs> Sorry. Billionaire. Dollar. Dollar. <laughs> I've got the mean. <laughs> Sorry, we're all in. Yeah. Sorry. So, so you you sign. I just so I so I get this right. When do you, there's a billion dollar contract because years. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit money mad at the moment. Obviously, that's something subconsciously that. Uh, Baz, I love your thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I picked those Benjamins. Um, so it's a. Uh, a billion-year contract. Well, it's not. It's not quite how it works. First of all, there's no contract that would last billion years because I doubt that any court system would be able I've to heard enforce. This. <laughs> See, do, do you know what? Just, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing this where I dip in and out. Yeah. There's been so much bad press with Catholicism, mm. right? All the child stuff, all the you know, and mm. this is and Ireland has a very funny relationship with mm. it. Mm. It's very hard to to see stuff online and not come across really terrifying stuff to do with Scientology. I'm not saying it's all true, mm. but it's a lot of people saying the same thing. Like if you've watched the Louis Thoreau documentary on Scientology, mm. you're very different to that. Yes. 
There is the fiction and the you know show business stuff, and there is real life. But, real life, that's show business. But that was a documentary. That's based well, on. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell me what that means. You don't, you think, you think nonsense. You don't, think you don't nonsense. believe, yeah, you don't, I don't believe think, it. Because he's a quite a reputable documentary maker. Yeah, like he's, I know he's known for, and I know it's there can be a bias. Like the reaction that he got off Scientologists with things like. Um, you know, being a suppressive person. Mm. For anyone who doesn't know, what's a suppressive person? Do suppressive you... person is very simply somebody who tries to suppress somebody else purposely. Is there a reaction in Scientology to someone who's suppressive? Because I thought suppressive person is um, even someone who says something bad about Scientology. The fear is, like, even someone had said to me, I said to me, I, I wouldn't do a document. I wouldn't do a <laughs> They did. And they said, honestly, like, no, 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 no. You know, th- there's that picture of yeah, the, that I'll walk outside and there'll be someone oh, across the road go, taking photos of me or something. Yeah. Like, that's what people fucking think. Like, that's because you're popular, best. That's yeah, well, but, <laughs> but, but, but that's the kind of image. That's a hard image to fight, right? That's a hard image, but there's nothing to fight, best because I, I tell you, honestly, I don't know what the story is with Louis Turo because I never dealt with him and then his requests and, that, and so forth. I don't know how he came and then what he asked for and what he tried to do. I honestly don't. You're so open and so clear about talking about it, but there's this perception where it's been very sheltered. Is there is there has there been a new approach to how Scientology represents itself? No, there is no new approach. Your approach is different than the other people than the other people who have approached Scientology. There is there is a very different approach and there is, I would say, two types of say journalists or people approaching Scientology in generally, one will be the one of um, we're here with a story. They won't tell you that, but they are here with a story. And we're going to make you say something wrong that we're going to pick up and add to this story. And this is what we're here for. That is very different from like, hey, what's the story I'm actually trying to understand? And anyone, anywhere, Approaching Scientology with, hey, what's the story? I'm actually interested to understand. We received the same approach and you're receiving from me because that's that I love doing that. Yeah. I love talking about Scientology. Because I think I think you know. I think that the, the, these are the walls that come up immediately with people, mm. right? Is that like you talk about L. Ron Hubbard in a hugely respectful way. And yeah. I, I get that, you know, and and um we got to remember that Dianetics was a, a, a bestseller, right? When when it was released, it, it was it was the a, list immediately. Okay, so it was a huge book, huge success. Um, Over twenty million copies sold to date. Yes. Wow. Okay, that's that's amazingly impressive, right? L. Ron Hubbard was also a science fiction writer, so this is these are the things that. Uh, not just a science fiction writer. He By was far not just a science fiction writer. He was. He wrote more science fiction than anyone ever, ever, ever wrote science fiction he's he's like so <laughs> he's the, the immediate reaction is if anyone's going to bullshit about something or can it's probably this guy right that's the attitude i'm not right. saying i'm not saying that he is but i'm just saying this is the perception people are going well if he was able to write science fiction and and then there's this enigma about aliens do you believe in do you believe in aliens waiting well, um, let me put it this way. Even 21st century, somebody thinks that we're the only intelligence existing in the entire universe and tiny planet Earth. I think that's quite arrogant. Yeah, I, I, I think even the Vatican a couple of years ago released a statement saying it's impossible that we're the only intelligent force in the universe, you know. I could, I could completely you know, understand that. But, but, but here's, here's I, do you believe best. that there's aliens involved in this religion? Is there like no, aliens waiting I behind say. the moon or... <laughs> Do you know, like you see, but that's the problem, Bess. People, people not understanding what Scientology is about. Um, 
would make up stuff like that. It's, it's to say that Scientologists believe in aliens is the same than to say Christians believe in aliens because they have a concept of heaven. It's the same thing. Mm. Do you understand? We're talking about spiritual existence. We're talking about spiritual spirituality. And somebody's like, oh yeah, aliens, of course. You know, this is complete misunderstanding and complete, you know, like I didn't get it, but I just made up an opinion and I'm going to dash it out here. And it's being made to look as if that's part of the religious beliefs, quote unquote, of Scientology, which has nothing to do with the truth. You know, the religious beliefs of Scientology have to do with you, you know, your spiritual existence, improvement of that spiritual potential, you reaching your full spiritual potential and so on and so forth. It's not to do with aliens sitting somewhere or not. So there's nothing in Scientology that, that is based on an understanding of a relationship with, with aliens. That's there's nothing, no, nothing about See, that's mad, because that's, that's one of the main things you hear. Yeah, but you see, boss, here is the misunderstanding. So you say, well, Aaron Harry was a science fiction writer. That is absolute... Uh, <laughs> that's not a good word to look. To use yes, it, man. <laughs> <Don't think. laughs> that, 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 is, that is as far from the truth as, as you could be. Aaron Harry wrote in pretty much every genre you can imagine. He wrote fantasy, he wrote adventure, he wrote western, he, wrote, he actually wrote under 15 different pen names. Okay, he was such a, so successful as a writer that he funded his entire research through his writing as an author. Do you know, like he, he, he holds the Guinness record for the most published author in the world and the most translated author in the world. Were, were all his writings and his, his monikers that he wrote under, were they all, were they all fiction? His westerns and his science fiction and his whatever, were they all fiction, although he wrote in different genres, were they all fiction? Not necessarily. I'm sure that he's written, I mean, I don't have a complete mm -hmm. detailed record of everything he wrote. I could get it for you, but he's written in like gazillions of things. He wrote okay. blockbusters for Hollywood. He's written, you know. Can anyone join Scientology? Yes, absolutely. Like Anybody? Anybody who's interested in, you know, actually personally improving themselves or improving something and things around them. Now, there is no process of joining Scientology, like the simplicity of what Scientology is, is just knowledge. You sit down and you study. We do courses, we do um, auditing, which is the actual practice of Scientology, just the actual, you know, um, how you help someone to improve spiritually by... Explain auditing to Auditing, me. okay. So auditing is basically the process of a trained practitioner asking specific questions. When you say trained, you don't mean trained as in like a psychiatrist trained. No, I mean trained in Scientology. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's the practice of Scientology. Um, so an auditor, it comes from Latin, audire, listen. So an auditor is somebody who listens, is not somebody who talks to you, he listens. Okay, he's trained to listen. He would ask you specific questions to help you contact and examine experiences, your own experiences from the past. Paint me a picture. I walk into, I walk into Scientology Ireland, right? Yeah. Um, I want to get audited. Audited. I can't believe I'm even saying that out loud. I want to get All audited. Right. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> You, you could have picked a better name for it, I'll just tell you that, but you want to get audited, right? Um, do I pay for an audit? Do, 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 is, it, is it like confession? Do I go in, into a little room or a little box and do I talk to someone? There's no or? box. There's no, there's no wardrobe. You don't have a wardrobe. No wardrobe. You would get in a room with, uh, with an auditor, which is quite comfortable. It's yeah. not a wardrobe. Um, you would, um, well... Is it like therapy? Do I pay for a book of sessions? You would, well, yes, you'll be asked to contribute because that is the entirety of our funding comes from people who want to get auditing, want to do courses. You know, when you say contribute, like, is that like whatever I feel like contributing or is there... Is there There's a, a minimum donation okay. which is required because okay. we, it's based on what does it cost us to deliver that mm. to you. So if you wanted 
to get professional auditing. And as you remember, we discussed there's a lot of different ways of doing that. You could get trained parallel and audit somebody else and they audit you, et cetera, et cetera. But if you wanted to get professional auditing, because yeah. I imagine you would want professional auditing. I would. <laughs> um, and how much would that be? How much for, would like, that like, be? But, like, but, now like, we're into the sales. No, no, no. I, I, I don't want to get away from the fact. I, do you know what it is? I don't want to get away from yeah. the fact of what auditing is. And I'm kind of joking with you about it. But but yeah. it is something you, 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 you make the donation, whatever that is. Then I yeah. go into a room, I sit down with someone who's trained in Scientology. What what happens then? What happens then is he's going to ask you questions. That is he what questions and what process he does with you would be very specifically tailored to your situation. In your case, you would receive an interview before that. You know, telling for example, what is it that you're trying to address or resolve with auditing? Like, why would you want auditing? What is it that bothers you in life, and so on and so forth. So uh, he would ask you questions which help you to contact and examine experiences from your past. Do you see? Because in Scientology, we believe that to improve, a person has to be allowed to discover his own truths about what bothers him, what's wrong, what's right. A friend of mine once said, you know, the only person who knows what's wrong with you is you. So I can't sit here and be like, Baz, when you were young, you did this and you did that and that's why. No, this is just my made up opinion. You are the one who knows that. The auditor is there to help you find and contact these experiences and alleviate the pain, emotional or physical, that might be related to those. Okay, so so you see, this is this is how my brain works. If I go in therapy, right, mm. I say things that are incredibly private to mm-hmm. the therapist, mm-hmm. right? And they help me work through something. Yeah. Legally, that therapist can't can't divulge that information to Completely. anyone. Completely. Same with an auditor. Legally. Well, you. I would. I would say, based on our internal ethics and justice codes within the church. And auditors never allow to any technical person, anyone working with you um, along that line, would never be allowed to divulge any of this information. Yeah, but Deanna, like if that person was to leave Scientology the next day and, you know, then, then they'd have a lot of... Because this is... It's impossible. Th- I, it's impossible. Nobody ever has access to this information. All of the folders and materials and so forth are labeled with uh, priest, penitent, confidential. And it doesn't matter if this person leaves Scientology, it doesn't matter if they stand on their head and blue in the face, shout against Scientology in front of my window, yeah. I will never have access to this information. This Slash is one of the preconceptions, there. Diana, yes. is that, you know, these famous people you hear about, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to list them all, everyone knows the kind of ones that are associated with Scientology, and that they would have this information and it's it's painted in a dark light. Mm. You know, I'm not saying that's what happens, but that's one of the preconceptions is that, you know, you tell something, something very personal mm-hmm. and then they have that information and information is is power to a lot of people. You know, it can it can. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, Bess, but here's the here's the situation. Nobody ever has to write to use this information, to even access this information for any reason other than helping that person, you know, from a technical perspective. The only reason notes are kept is because um, if anything has to be corrected, then there is a record of what exactly happened and what was done. The auditor doesn't write everything you say, he writes only technically relevant information and technically relevant Mm. data, okay? But this information cannot be used and will never be used because that is that will be a compromise with everything we stand for and everything Scientology stands for. This is the bit. There's a machine, right? Mm. What's the machine? The emitter. 
Now, I love that. There's an e-meter, <laughs> right? And the e-meter sits in between me and you. Yes. Right? We say, yeah. I'm, I imagine you're an auditor. Okay. And it has two, two kind of... Cans. Cans. Yeah. Literally. You hold in your hands. Yeah. Yes. So I hold these two cans in my hand. Mm-hmm. And then what, what... What happens? What happens, please? Yeah, what happens? It's very simple. The emitter is a device which basically sends a very small um, amount of electricity, which you don't feel because, you know, you held the cans. You don't feel electricity going through your body. A very small amount of electricity goes through the body and back into the emitter. Now, the emitter is designed to um, pick up and show charge, which comes from mental image pictures, which contain pain or unconsciousness, emotional pain or physical pain. Charge which would have the power to unknowingly influence you in life. And these are the pictures and these are the incidents you're looking for in auditing to address, you see. So the, audit, the, the emitter itself doesn't do anything then indicates to the auditor that you're looking at an incident, at a situation, at a picture that has charge and that should be addressed. So she, he, would, he would ask you... Who like, designed the e-meter? It was developed by Oran Hubbard. I was quite surprised when I saw it the first time. Yes. I was like, mm-hmm. it looks like a radio transistor. Like, it's not a million miles. It's not like... It was quite a basic machine. Mm-hmm. It was quite a basic machine. And, and this e-meter... It, it, the cynic in me is like, what, what's it reading? Like, exactly. <laughs> I love the cynic. Do you get, like, I, and I don't mean that, I'm not being judgmental at yes. all, but, but just, what's the science behind it? Okay, uh, so let, it, let, me, let, me, let me just backtrack for yeah. a So let's look, you know, in Dianetics, Aaron Hubbard describes the mind. Now, the mind is a collection of mental image pictures. The mind is not the brain. The mind no, is the mind. Absolutely. And the brain yeah, is the, the brain. brain. The brain is, is an organ in the human body. It's yeah. not part of the mind, it's part of the body. Mm. You see, so we're talking about two completely different things. The mind is a, is a record of mental image pictures. Your experience from the beginning of your existence until now, every second, every millisecond, every perception, Everything you saw, you smelled, you felt, you thought, everything. You might not think about it all the time, you might not remember it all the time, but everything is there and it is accessible. So that's the mind. Now there is a part of the mind which records only and exclusively in the, t- in the moments of pain, physical or emotional, or unconsciousness, partial or full. Now, now here, here's the, the, the thing. Um, in Scientology, it was discovered that those memories or those records stored in the reactive mind, those memories which, which contain, well, they're not really memories because you can't remember them necessarily clearly, but those records which contain pain or unconsciousness can be brought back to work upon you or they, they can be made to influence you negatively unbeknownst to you throughout your life and that portion of the mind the reactive mind is a portion that does not it's not analytical it doesn't calculate it doesn't think it doesn't give you solutions and doesn't put out you know sane decisions it results in compulsions it results in nightmares it results in unfounded fears it results in in you know things you feel you must do or you can't do and it results in a lot of things in, in irrational behavior basically now these mental image pictures stored in the reactive mind have charge that can act upon you and make you do things. And all you're trying to do in auditing is to locate those incidents and those moments in your life which have charge in them. And all the emitter does is it measures 
the charge in those mental image pictures because it's actually, it actually can be measured. Mm -hmm. that and that responds to a series of questions that you're asked. That's right. So let's say I'm just going to completely make up a question yeah. to give you an example. Uh, let's say you're looking at the subject of apples. That's not really auditing situation or you wouldn't be looking at apples in auditing but let's say you were looking at the, the subject of apples and the auditor asks you um you know do you like apples or how do you feel about apples um and then he sees a reaction on the imager now this is very basic i'm explaining you here because mm. an auditor in order to use the imager they undergo very thorough training they're able to recognize the different types of reactions mm. on the imager and so on and so forth so i fucking love apples <laughs> great it's, yes so Let's so it, it, it's, yeah. it's, it starts shaking then it's it's like literally a meter yeah yeah it's a meter so there are different reactions in the meter yeah you see if there is no charge related to apples and you have no negative experience there's no pain unconsciousness or anything related yeah. to apples it's going to be all grand and then the the needle will move smoothly, you know, across the dial, and the auditor knows that there's nothing to do with apples. So he moves to the next question, what about pears? Um, or what about strawberries? And then there's a specific reaction in the meter which shows that you're looking at something that is a charged subject or a charged moment. He will ask you, what is this? What are you looking at? So gotcha. the, the, the thing that comes to your mind is something that's, oh, when I was a child, actually I fell, hurt my knee, da, 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 there were strawberries, I had eaten strawberries, mm. and wh wh whatever that might be, it doesn't matter, but it's just, a tool that helps the auditor to guide you to find those moments. Is auditing like hypnosis? No, it's the, the, the opposite of hypnosis. It's 100% the opposite because basically what hypnosis does is it installs commands in the mind, in the reactive mind to be precise, which then affect you and force you to do or not do things. Auditing helps you to contact any such incidents and get rid of the effect. She could say it's the reverse. My mother has been auditing me for years without devices. <laughs> this is what I'm telling you. And I, I worship... That's why you tried to kill her but, at least 50 but, times. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but that's why I worship her. Uh, because yeah. she is a, a, a beacon of positivity. And yeah. through very little words, mm. I've never... I, I would pop into my mum to see her sometimes just to leave to feel better because yeah. she has that ability. And with that becomes this, this feeling that I owe her and worship her. Mm -hmm. And this is why I understand how talking in a room, even though yeah. someone's only asking you a question, you're only saying things out loud to yourself. I can understand how that would be therapeutic and how you yeah. would then go, oh, wow, Auditing is brilliant for me. But this is why people think that you're going around brainwashing people. You understand that? That's why yeah. they, they, that's where that brainwashing thing comes from. Because they go, well, we've got a machine downstairs and we, you hold on to it. And, you know, well, and just back to the same thing. You mm. see, misinformation, no information. You see, mm. the auditing is actually the 180 degrees opposite of brainwashing. You, you could say you're unbrainwashing people. Mm. You, you're getting them, you're helping them to get out of their preconceived ideas, compulsions, uh, you know, I can't do this, I can't do this, their own limitations. Because all the limitations, all that can't be done, all, all everything that, that, you know, we feel wrong about, comes from us. Do, do, do Scientologists believe that um, <laughs> if you can heal your body with your mind? Well, that's not, that's not how I would put it. You know, the body is the body and you have to take care of the body. Of course, there are spiritual and mental blocks which can prevent you or help you to recover. You know when, you know when we were walking through uh, Scientology Ireland, right? Mm. Which is very impressive, right? Mm. It reminded me of the walking into LinkedIn or something. Honestly, it was right. uh, it was very shiny, very clear. You had lovely coffee and yes, and and it was it was a lovely building. There's a library, right? Yes, huge library. <laughs> yeah. So if Dianetics was the Bible, 
Well, not quite yet. <laughs> but it it was it was the beginning. It's the beginning. Yeah. Right. For, what first book? The first book. Yes. But then there's Jesus. Sorry to say Jesus, but there was. No, never mind. You can say Jesus. <laughs> there was. I say that in the most Irish sense. Yeah. Um, there was. There was books. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yes. Okay. So here's here's the thing. Scientology consists. The entirety of Scientology consists of 5,000 writings and 3,000 recorded lectures. Who wrote all them? Aaron Hubbard. Jesus. In addition to the, everything he wrote in order to finance that research. So, okay, we're downstairs. There's all the books. Um, you, anyone can go down and just pick up a book and read it, right? They That's can, right, yeah. They can read it whatever yeah. they want at any yeah. stage, okay? But there's also, you also buy books. Yes, you can buy books to have your own copies at home because you don't want every time to travel there and pick up a book and read it. There's a tiered system, <laughs> mm. right, of, of levels you get to of being the best Scientologist, right? Of, of being... <laughs> well, that's an interesting way of putting it. Well, there is, there is a system of getting trained. So say you wanted to get trained as an auditor. Mm. Um, obviously, it can't be like, go into the library, pick up something and hopefully you get it. Mm. Do you know, there's a system of what are, you, what are the requirements for you to study to be able to deliver specific processes of auditing. So you would start with the first course and then you move to the next one. And like, in a matter of fact, the first course has to do with your ability to study and comprehend. Because the perception, again, I'm back to the perception. The perception is that like those those uh, magazines you used to have when you were a kid mm. where they go look it's a dinosaur monthly and, and the first one is like 199 <laughs> and it's all about t-rexes but if you want the one next week on pterodactyls that's 15.99 like you pay for all these courses and they elevate right they guess I know you're nodding, but you're not saying, like, they, no, they, they get do. more... They don't necessarily get more expensive, and you can pay for your entire auditor training. If you're like, hi, I'd like to come and be trained as an auditor, mm. you can get... What if I don't want to be trained as an auditor? What, what if I'm... I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> they just don't. Nobody's asking it. But what's going clear then? Okay, going clear is basically you going through the process of auditing step by step until the point where you get rid of the unwanted influence of your reactive mind over you is like you becoming the best version of you you becoming you know clear like thinking being able to think clear being able to you know increase your intelligence increasing your ability to handle life getting rid of all the baggage that's out there and telling you you can't do things and telling you you must do things and forcing you to do things or making you withdraw from things. Just getting rid of all of that. But you see, like you even saying that, I'm like, of course I fucking want that. Who do? Everybody who, wants who that does want? So we say I, because <laughs> then I saw, when I was looking in your amazing library, right? Yeah. And the books are even presented, not like a normal library. They're presented in these beautiful cases. And yes, it's very nice, right? Yes. It's very visually, very, very appealing. And then, and there's bracelets. I get to buy a bracelet if yes. I want to go clear. No, no, no. <laughs> you, you only get to buy a bracelet when you're Yeah, clear. but when I go clear, I'll be so bloody happy at that stage that, <laughs> that, that I've reached that moment of clarity that the bracelet, very nice bracelet, yes. pricey, was yeah. pricey. It was yeah. 695 euro yeah. or something. But it's just, it's sometimes I just hear other things and I just kind of go... Of course you do. You know, <laughs> wow, they do sell a lot of books and they do own a lot of property and it is a lot of business yeah. and it it is... Ex you know, it could rack up an expense. Mm. Now, I'm not saying pouring money into the gym, it costs a lot of money. So I'm yeah. not it's being sneery about it, but it just in a, 
when you mix religion and money, I think there's something that happens, but it's not that's something, something that happens. Yeah, I love it, But it's 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 not to say that you know it, it hasn't been happening with the Catholic Church for years. Like they were the most powerful army in the world at one stage, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, there's a power that comes with yeah. with the devotion of people, you know. If I was to ask a Muslim or I was to ask a Catholic, right? Yeah about or Hindu or Buddhist or whatever. Mm, mm, mm. There's an undenying thing sometimes that's just faith. Mm-hmm. You just believe it so. Mm. Do you get me? Mm. Do you have a huge faith in Scientology? It seems very factually based while other religions as such, it's different in that sense. Their their beliefs. Do you think you have massive faith in kind of L. Ron Hubbard and the meter and all this that other people just would look at in a very kind of mm. ironically scientific way and just go, I'm not sure. I, I. Yeah, so, well, here's the thing with Scientology. A very, very basic principle in Scientology is what is true for you is true for you. And it's true according to your observations. I get the appeal of Scientology. I get the fact that I would want to develop myself and yeah. be a better version of myself. Yeah. And like reading self-help books, Mm-mm-mm. do you know, like where you kind of, you can take a little part of one self-help book and it relates to you and you, you take that with you and then the rest mightn't relate to you. Mm. It, it, have you ever come across parts of some of the books and just thought, nah, just, I don't get that, I don't connect with that at all? Personally, not really. Okay. You know, because since since the very, very beginning, as I told you, I had some sort of, you know, my own concept about life and, and, and God and everything, right? Mm. And that matched very, very strongly with what Scientology was putting on the table as a concept. So. I haven't really met something that was like, hmm, I don't know about that. But it doesn't mean that nobody does. And that is something that is very strong for Scientology. And that is very appealing to me personally. You have to understand this for yourself. You have to to, to find your own truths and your own answers. You see, Scientology is not ready-made answers for you. It's not like, oh, that's how it works. That's Mm. how it works. No, it's, it's, it points to you a way, a way or a direction in which you can look to find your own answers and your own truths. The most famous Scientologist around is probably Tom Cruise, yeah, right? Well, Everyone just- I suppose he's better known than me, yes. Yeah, well, like, it's, he's probably read a lot of books, I imagine. I just, yeah, that's a question for How him. far up the ladder is, is, is Tom? I have no idea, boss. That's his own personal Oh, no, but he must, he must be fairly, is he clear? He's, he's. I suppose so. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I honestly don't know. Like I yeah. know, you know, it's like people have some sort of idea. Everybody talks about Tom Cruise and Saint. No, even bringing it up, I'm like cringing because I just yeah. like I just know Rightfully everyone. So, yeah. But <laughs> it's just he's such a huge face of the organization in some ways that that you can't come across anything with Scientology and not come across. Tom Cruise, do you know. Yeah. So I was kind of wondering. He's probably gone through training and. I'm sure he is, but I honestly, I'm telling you, I don't know what he has done on training and yeah. so forth. So that's really a question for him. The thing is, you see, with celebrities and artists and so forth, th- there are a lot of artists and celebrities who are Scientologists, but whether or not they communicate about this is their own personal matter. Any in Ireland? So, any any celebrities in Ireland? Yes, there are. <laughs> yeah, you're making a face, but... Uh, there is, is there? Is there? Uh, yes, there are, but of course, that's their own personal matter and their own personal life to communicate about. You see, I'm not the communicator of these people. I'm communicating on behalf of the church. Mm. Do you know who the Masons are? Yes, I do. See, does there be that element where people might think, you know, you become a Scientologist, you're rubbing shoulders with, with you know, all the, all the other kind of little club. 
th- that's what some people believe. They think it's like like a little kind of mason group and you help me out and maybe, you know, well, I, 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 I pitch a show to RT yeah. and someone on the board of RT is like, <laughs> we've got a special handshake and that's kind of what they... No, well, well, yes. No, it's a little more simple than that, you know. Why do you, think it, like appeals to, why do you think it appeals so much to... Or why do you think it's so highlighted with Scientology, with this kind of celebrity thing? Why do you think that is? Um, why that is, I'd say it's because... Um, Scientology provides a lot of answers on, um, you know, how to improve yourself, how to um, develop yourself spiritually, personally, and as an artist. And that that is something that is very, very close and very important, especially for artists. Do you recruit people? Um, well, um, we don't offer jobs to them, so we don't recruit them. You, know? <laughs> you don't recruit people to join Scientology. Well, we see there is there is no such concept of really joining Scientology. It's just something you do for yourself. Obviously, we tell people we've got books, we've got courses. Would you be interested? We do webinars, which have been extremely popular during lockdown, by the way. Mm. A lot of people Hindu don't realize so. that you can be another religion and be a Scientologist. You That's can be right. a Muslim Scientologist or a yes. Catholic Scientologist. Yes, actually, the, my the, the grandfather of my husband, who my husband happened to be a third generation Scientologist, his grandfather was very advanced in Scientology and he was a very devoted Catholic. He went to Mass every Sunday. Let me ask you this. It's kind of yes. documented that L. Ron Hubbard's personal family life was kind of uh, quite troubled, right? Uh, he had strange mm. relationships with his children. He lived uh, a lot of life under scrutiny to a certain extent and they didn't agree with his beliefs. So with most religions, you look up to a kind of role model. Um, it, it's this kind of person you uh, hope to elevate yourself to, whether mm-hmm. that be Buddha or Jesus or, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, why did people look up to L. Ron Hubbard? Mm. Because he seemed quite, just from any kind of research I've done, he seemed to be quite damaged you know, as a person. <laughs> no, I'm not, is that insulting to you? I'm, I'm well, 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 it's not insulting to me, but it's just quite, um, quite inaccurate because, first of all, he was one of the absolutely most successful writers ever. He but listen, at, at my most successful time in my life, I yeah. was probably the most miserable and damaged. I don't think sometimes... Well, sad, but okay. It is sad, it that. is sad, but, but that's, that. you know... No, um, there's a lot of misconception. There's a lot of false documents and false information out there. Truth is very simple. Um, children and grandchildren of Aaron Howard were free to, to choose whether to do Scientology or not Scientology, and nobody cares yeah. what they do nowadays and where they are, and that, like everybody's moving on in life. He... Um, was an extremely successful individual who obviously started with one question of like, what is the human mind? You see why he's being looked up to? Because he he was somebody who had an extreme amount of love and passion for people. And I've personally met people who worked with him. Mm. Aaron Hubbard willed the vast bulk of his estate to the Scientology religion. And this way, including the royalties of his books, to this date, in this way, he contributes to achieving the aims of Scientology financially, personally. Yeah. Now, maybe some of his children didn't like that. And I actually wrote a, a, a quote here, an excerpt from a letter mm. from one of his children. This is Ronald DeWolf, 1976. He writes, this is to inform you that under no circumstances should any past statements by myself regarding Scientology or my father, Aaron Hubbard, be used, relied upon or quoted as they are false, malicious and vindicative. At the time those statements were written or made, I had been misguided by persons antipathetic to Scientology who were attempting to injure and discredit my father through me. 
Yeah, no, that's a very official press release. That's well, that's his letter. That's yeah, what he wrote. yeah. So that's that's. I, yeah. I suppose like that's why I wanted to talk to you. Do you yeah. know, to, to to hear it from your perception. Like yeah. this fair game. Can you can you explain fair game? Fair game. Well, fair, I actually can't believe we're still talking about fair game because that's a policy that was cancelled forty years ago. Okay. And it has nothing to do with Scientology. And all it was was mm. if somebody was expelled from Scientology because you can, you know, reach a point which is very rare, but somebody can be expelled from Scientology and not tolerated in the church. What would you have to do to get expelled? Uh, you really have to commit, like, for example, felony would be a reason for, you know, expulsion or some a really suppressive action okay. against, if you want us to, you know, just um, go against Scientology and attack it in court instead of instead of trying to resolve matters, mm. you know. So what um, was fair game then? Anyways, fair game was basically, if somebody was expelled from Scientology, mm they no longer um, could make use of the internal ethics and justice procedures we would have to try to resolve, you know, conflicts or disagreements and so forth between parishioners or Scientologists. That's all. Because the perception was that it was was literally they would go and they would destroy you. That they they would come after you. Like people were incredibly scared and intimidated by it. I think they wanted to be perceived as very scared and intimidated by it, but... What is the policy on leaving? If you want to leave, because, you know... Well, if you want to leave, our doors are wide open for people to come in, for people to leave. Like, good luck. You know. What do you We're call it? Disconnect, is it? No, that's a different concept. Disconnection is different. And if you wanted to leave Scientology, hmm. you just, you know, welcome to just move on in life. People just leave. You know, it's not like you have to do some official obviously somebody will be interested if you until yesterday were like oh my god this is amazing my life is great and i'm enjoying and today you're like i'm living i'd be very interested to know what happened between yesterday and today just personally mm-hmm. um now this connection which you touched upon is a different thing it's absolutely grossly misunderstood and misinterpreted and purposely put there as this is like yeah whoa, whoa. all this connection is is imagine you had a girlfriend which um, constantly um, was, um, let's say, demanding from you that you cannot do the job you, you, you have because that's not good enough for you. You have to, you know, you have to disconnect from your friends or you have to disassociate with these people. They're not good for you. This is not good for you. This is not good for you. And you continuously for years try to actually handle this and then come to some sort of agreement or conclusion. Well, wouldn't you ditch that girlfriend at some point? Mm. That's all this connection is. Silent birds. <clears throat> Silent birds sounds terrifically interesting. So <laughs> this is what I've heard. Oh, uh, there you go. You, Bring it on, but no, but this is what I've heard. You you have a baby. Yeah. And you shut up, you, basically. <laughs> you keep it down. Don't be making any noise oh, there, and no. have the baby. No, no. Thank God is what I'm no, thinking, but it's Jesus. no. Okay. So, what, so what? silent birth is very simply applying the principles of Dianetics to you know the birthing mother and the baby. Obviously, birth is a very painful experience for the mother and for the baby. Imagine following the concept that um, you know everything that happens in moments of pain and unconsciousness is recorded in the reactive mind and can influence you later on. All professionals and all people around the birthing mother are, are advised to give maximum care and comfort to her and then shut up and not just have a chat around them. It's like, oh, here we go, he's coming. You know, like useless remarks and things like that. Because every phrase that you, you make during birth or, 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 and so forth or during a moment of pain or unconsciousness is recorded in the reactive mind. Who polices that? Do you bring in, you don't bring in a... 
Oh, geez, this is no. not something that this is not something Scientologists do. This well, the is the picture Maine. is that there's a, there's a guy who dresses oh. a naval officer in the, in the back of the room going, shh. <laughs> like, That's you know, great. Where, do, where you know, do you even? No, but look uh, at do you know what I, I? Do you know what it oh, is? You got to remember, Deanna. I'm I'm trying to represent to you yeah. what people out there think and say and have said. You know, it's not to, it's not, and in no ways to just insult your beliefs because I don't believe in, in putting anyone's beliefs down. It's not, yeah. that's not uh, my ethos in life, you know? I know. But it's just these are the things that keep coming up. What's your drink the blood of Christ bit? What's your give up pork? What's stuff. your, yeah, like, there must be, there must be one thing where people, kind of, every religion has something oh, where it's God. like, whether it's, you know, not eating meat or not eating pork or veiling your hair or, you know. We, we like, don't have that. Like, I'm very, very sorry to disappoint you, Bas, but there isn't anything that you you must or you have to or, or you should or you shouldn't. It's like all you do in Scientology is you come in wanting to improve yourself spiritually. Now, the ultimate game, you might be asking, well, well, what is this? Like, what are you trying to achieve in the grand scheme of things? You know, where are we going with all of this? Well, imagine we had a society where majority of the people or significant portion of the society was in a state in which they could think clearly, use their full potential in terms of abilities of handling life, like being on top of life and not being, you know, handled by life. The aims of Scientology are defined as a civilization without insanity, without criminals and without war, where the able can prosper and honest beings can have rights and where man is free to rise to greater heights. Diana, do you not just taunt on me there, right? I really mm. like you, right? I have to say this, I really do. Oh, that's great, because no, I like you too. <laughs> I really like you. Is it hurtful? Is it hurtful for you as a Scientologist? Like, do you go out to the pub and do you openly talk about it and get sneered at and treated a certain way? Um, do you know, not really. Not do you, really. Do you socialise with, with people who aren't Scientologists? Yes, I do. Right, and and it's just like... Nothing. It's it's. There's no. You don't like put it like this. I keep using Muslims as a reference. Yeah. If you're Muslim and you go to the pub, you're pretty guaranteed that everyone is going to talk about your hijab, mm-hmm. right? It's it's or your beliefs, and mm-hmm. you know, and that that comes with being a minority, right? Do you spend the whole time just explaining and defending <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard to everybody? No, I is don't. it is it just a load of people who are probably a little bit ruder than me, just attacking you and calling you mad and you know? No, you know nobody has called me mad so far. Interesting. Well, no, I don't. I, 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 I in no way think. No. I'm not saying that, but it's just yes. it's just this perception. And I just as you were talking there, yeah. like I, I get this is this is your thing, you know, and yeah. it, you know. It just must be very hard. And I think of cynical Ireland and you're in Fur House. Of all places. Of all places. <laughs> Obviously, there are different reactions when you want to tell someone that I'm, you know, represent the Church of Scientology or that I'm a Scientologist, even a personal level, you see. But to be honest with you, most of the times, uh, People wouldn't really dare tell me my face because, you know, like I'm sitting here talking to you and would you be like, oh, you're mad because you're this and that? No, like people somehow don't, they don't come to me with this. And I don't mind answering any questions. I told you before, I don't mind answering the the, the, the good, the bass and the ugly mm. questions, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what it is, yeah. though? What is it? Whether it's the Catholic Church or Buddhist monks yeah. or whatever religious organization, there comes a point when you have a huge organization where some people 
who have been connected to that organization have done something wrong mm. and they become accountable and they stand mm. up and they go, do you know what? Mick over there, mm. fucking out of order. Mick was fucking out of We're so sorry, da, da, da. Mm. I think it's the fact that there's this kind of base denial of anything wrong ever. I don't think that that's true. I well, I've never, I've never heard, I've never heard any kind of Scientology report where they went, I'm, "This shit isn't us." I'm sorry, that's a bad representation of us. That's not how we we do things. Mm. And I think it's that, it's that, it's that, because I searched for that, mm. and it, it wasn't there. And I think it's you can't have organizations of that many people and not have one bad apple somewhere that did the wrong thing you know? oh absolutely Do you know what i mean absolutely listen mistakes have been made yeah. in the past absolutely and nobody would deny that but the thing with scientology is if you say suffer an injustice or you felt that you're not treated you know properly or you have some sort of disagreement going on there's there are there are millions ways and their internal procedures and so forth where you can come in and you can get help to get anything you want, sort it. And I know personally that even though there is somebody who wasn't tracking how to do something or somebody mm. was just on a personal level decided to be a bad apple, yeah. um, the other word, um, mm. you know, you could always sort it out. This is why I go, mm, the guys banging on social media and on TV are not trying to resolve mm. something. They're trying to bang on social media and TV and they're trying to get popularity or money out mm. of this. You know, because there are ways to resolve things and things have been resolved, believe mm. me, in many different cases. You won't see them on telly because that's not mm. television matter. Why, I'll leave it on this. Why do you think Scientology is seen or perceived as evil and cultish and all that? Where do you think that comes from and why do you think it gets that perception? I think that, um, first of all, Scientology is a brand new concept. Just remember Scientology as a concept, as a thing, has existed from, for less than 70 years. It's very difficult to compare it to anything that people know or understand. It's a, it's a, it's a modern religion. It's a 21st century religion. It's, it's the way forward. It's the way to, you know, rediscover the human soul in a very materialistic society. Well, go explain to the world, you know, what this is all about. This and is Scientology is doing well in Ireland? Scientology is doing terrific in Ireland. We've been, we've had very busy three years, even during lockdown, you know, it was very, like, we had huge interest of people. You think having Miriam McCallaghan, Jedward and Ryan Tuberty on board, Oh, you think... God help me, no thanks, you know. <laughs> no, no, nothing personal, don't, no, don't no, take it no, this I'm way. No, 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 I'm only joking, I'm only it's joking. Not, it's, not, it's not about those people, it's about the everyday person walking out there and thinking to themselves, there's something else to life than all this. And how can I be better? How can I do better? How can I help my community? How can I just, you know, reach out and be a better person? That's who Scientology is for, you know? So, do you know the, the problem? There's just too much. There's just, uh, it's like I, trying I, I, to ask I, I anyone <laughs> to explain their religion in a podcast is just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. But it's been very interesting talking to you. Yes. It's been nice. And <laughs> and uh, you have very nice coffee. So I, I hope that we'll have a coffee again. Oh, and, please. Yes. And uh, I really um, am grateful for you to come in and talk to me because, to be honest with you, I wasn't, I, 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 the perception was that no one from Scientology would, would talk. And I think you've put that to bed. Um, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and is there a chance that they'll just ship you off to the next... <laughs> Is that what happens? You just get the call now and you'll be doing press releases no, in no, Baghdad no. or somewhere? No, I doubt it. I think I'll spend a couple of good years here so we can have coffee a couple of more times. Yeah, yeah.
That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Honestly, I wish I wish you all the best for it. Like, is like yeah. if it helps you be the best person you can be, and and as long as 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 you're happy and you're happy out, I think rock on. You know. I definitely will, boss. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely will. I, I don't usually do this, but good luck in the cup. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was long. That was longer than most of our usual interviews are. But look, you know. If if whatever you believe makes you a better person, you do it. You know, you rock on. As long as it doesn't affect anyone negatively and it doesn't harm anyone, row your boat, man. Do you know? But just as a little side note, for what it's worth, I think in a time of Twitter and social media, I need to be mindful. Do you know what I mean? Although passing judgment is completely, it's a completely natural instinct. I try to catch myself before I before I speak or before I type something nasty or do any potential harm or hurt towards people and their beliefs. And I've been on the receiving end, you know. It's not nice. You, you, you can't take those words back. Seriously, you can't. Like, I find myself judging other people constantly. That makes me sound like a right bastard. But I do. I, I like, and I'm not even like that. Even the best of us who aren't judgy, you have to take these moments to kind of recalibrate, is that the word? Recalibrate our minds when I suppose subconsciously we start pointing and waving fingers around like we're Donald feckin' Trump. You know, when people say shit with enough conviction, anything can sound believable. I pride myself on keeping an open mind to the reasons why people believe in the things they do. But I still use my cup on and a certain level of instinct to give me alarm bells and I follow up on those alarm bells with a little sprinkle of logic and a whole dollop of common sense. It's hard to navigate through life sometimes but if you can't be nice fuck it just be nicer do you know like you don't like the way the river runs row your own boat you know make up your own mind. That's all I got. Listen I I really hope you enjoyed this episode please subscribe, follow and review. It, it, it makes a big difference to us, doesn't it, people? Oh, yeah. John John. Always last to the party, John John. Um, even if you did like it, maybe you could share it. That would be nice. Uh, you can always get me on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter at Ashmawi. We'll be back next week. That's pretty much it. Good luck in the cup. <laughs>